You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. Yes, it's the after laugh. Hey guys, welcome to the after laugh. I'm excited because I have an old friend. I don't know how long we, we'll, we'll get to that. Maria Alexander, how are you? Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. It's been me. years. Literal, actual years. I think the last time I was doing your podcast yep. at your apartment. In my home, where and, I no longer live. Ah. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. Well, with everybody, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's crazy. Um, I, I was thinking about when we first met or... Not met, but when I became aware of you. Was it MySpace? Was it all the way back then? Maybe, you, yeah. You're probably a little young. <laughs> no, I am old. But I feel like maybe <laughs> it was like the waning days of MySpace or something like that. And then you got on Twitter and you were killing it pretty much right away on Twitter. And you were a new comic. Yeah. And I've been doing comic for like five years. So I was like <laughs> um, or I think you were living in Baltimore, right? D.C. D.C. Yeah. Is that where you grew up? Yeah. Did well, we talk about where did you grow up again? Well, I was born in Ukraine. That's right. Not to brag. That's awesome. It's like a slightly better Russia, like very <laughs> slightly. And then we immigrated to the Washington, D.C. area, and I grew up there. So how old are you immigrated? 11. 11. So when you immigrate, because I don't know enough about I'm American, so we don't know shit. And I I'm love that about you, schools. honestly. It's beautiful. <laughs> so uh, nice. What was it you were, was it fleeing? Were you political refugees? Yeah. What was the deal with your parents? What was, what was going on at the time of Ukraine? Um, the Soviet Union fell apart. Um, things were just really, really volatile and chaotic. This was around the time that Putin and his friends were going around and basically stealing people's the oligarchs everything you know natural resources companies um and also my mom and her side of the family is jewish um so it was just like a combination of political and financial instability and also hate crimes so were there a lot of hate crimes against jews at that time yeah there weren't like pogroms or anything like that, no. I'm um, not straight up pogroms, but I but personally survived a hate crime. Really? Yeah. When you were a, a, a young, child, what happened? Um, I think people were just so desperate and, uh, you know, crazy. Everything was just so bad for everybody, and my parents were kind of eking out a living. They figured out like this little business that they yeah. were doing, and everybody knew each other's nationality. Or race and Jew is considered a race there. Yeah. <laughs> and a neighbor lady just was, she was always antagonistic towards me. And I was playing by myself outside and she, you know, was just said something to, I don't even remember what she said. She yelled something at me. Like she called me ugly, I think, or because I was very skinny. And I don't know what came over me. I stood up and I looked at this adult and I was like, why don't you shut up? You know? <laughs> And she looked down at me and she spit in my face and hit me. And she said, you know, like, shut up, you filthy kike, basically. Whoa. And I cried immediately, of course. Did you know what that word was at the time? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, most people probably don't even know it now. Yeah, it's a Russian version of the word. Is it Yiddish? It's Zhid, yeah. Zhid, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that is first of all it's so weird because you think about what happened after world war ii obviously and you'd think that not like that would be the end of anti-semitism particularly <laughs> russia was on quote-unquote the right side yeah and you think that the rights the russians would be on some respect pro-jew but they historically have not been obviously no they <laughs> you know instituted pogroms long before the nazis were doing it yeah um they helped often you know as nazis were invading cities and villages many you know neighbors were delivering their jewish neighbors to the nazis yeah or killing them themselves um I think they were just afraid of the Nazis. <laughs> you know, Hitler yeah. just went a little too far is what happened. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. You know? Um, that, that's so crazy. Now, in Russia right now, because obviously you have information about Russia and the politics there that people in America don't have. Inside. No. I, I just read the same news. I have opinions, though. You have opinions. And your parents probably know stuff that other people don't know about. They, you would think so. They've been completely brainwashed. What does that mean? Well, they watch Russian language television. So they're Putin fans. They're Putin like apologists, yeah. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. I was uh, in um, Norway last two years ago. God, last year, two years ago, <laughs> yeah. What and, is time? Yeah, and um, <laughs> I met a bunch of Russian girls, and they all loved Putin. And I thought they were young students. I assumed that all the young students would be really anti-Putin, and they were like, "No, that's just like West propaganda." Putin's a great man. And I was like, whoa. It's no, really no, freaky. No. It's genuinely bewildering. Um, I fight with them about it. They won't say like they like him, but they're like, but you know, he's done some good things. And, blah, blah, blah. and like, yeah. What? <laughs> like, it's like the El Chapo argument. He built a soccer field. It's very, exactly. Yeah. And I think the Russian propaganda is still so effective. It always has been. Yeah. That. It gets in your brain. You just start to, you know, identify with it. And he has this quintessential macho Russian man persona mm -hmm. that I think something about their, I don't know. It's it's like Stockholm Syndrome to me, personally. That makes a lot of sense, That's yeah. what I think. Yeah, I know that Russians, like, they really pride themselves and their toughness. On stoicism, yeah. Yeah, I, I do jujitsu with Russians and they're like, literally, they-, they Terrifying human beings. Make an expression. <laughs> It's very, very crazy. Um, That's so, why you're so buff. Bill is buff. Did you guys know that? Oh, I'm more in tech. I'm not because I'm like, hey, check out my but I just No, it's true. Um, but I'm also <laughs> a little big down here. <laughs> um, so that's so uh, you don't follow Russian politics now. You, you're kind of removed for it. Do you feel do you, do you get involved now in your Twitter? Because you you have a huge presence on Twitter. I don't know how many followers you have, but you have a lot of engagement. I'd be getting some interactions. And you must find yourself embroiled in some controversy at times, or just haters or trolls and shit like that. I haven't as much lately. It's happened, sure. I've gotten a lot of rape and death threats. Well, that's that's I would say that's trolling. From yeah, it's it's really funny how immediate the responses from like conservative Twitter, which I start to think it's mostly just like Russian bots at this point. I don't even know. Yeah. I haven't even been that that political. I comment on things that are pretty obvious or yeah. should be. I don't think I have any sort of nuanced political discourse on there. Yeah. It's always just like, hey, don't shoot, you know, black people for no reason. Or, um, you know, like Donald Trump was bad and there was just a very obvious thing to say. Yeah. It's not even, it's embarrassing to even have to say it, honestly. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. he was just so fun to dunk on. 
Yeah, he was very funny. He was one of the funniest. He is one of the funniest human beings that ever lived. Do you feel like the Twitterati misses Donald Trump in general being on there? Sure. There is, there's a lot of people whose entire personality is talking about him. Yeah. I tried not to make it mine. It's just sometimes it's so funny. He did yeah. so many funny things. He did. He just, I miss that. I miss seeing him on TV <laughs> just like pointing at stuff and... You know, yeah. asking about drinking bleach, <laughs> injecting bleach, whatever. It's it's beautiful, really. Yeah. I remember when Sarah Cooper, she blew up from that one. And I hate it. I resent it. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's not doing a parody. She's literally just lip syncing. Lip syncing. And fucking I mean, good famous. for her, but yeah. that's like, come on. <laughs> that's, that's what Trump did to us. That's yeah. what he did to comedy. Who is um who has taken Trump's place in the Twitter sphere in terms of people wanting to dunk on is it ron DeSantis? is it ted cruz is it mitch mcconnell combination ted cruz is yeah he, I tucker would say carlson he, probably right every, look i am just i'm a little bit tired at this point of just this culture of constantly trying to dunk on someone yeah like if somebody does something that's very obviously funny like sure like when ted cruz went to mexico while his entire state was frozen. Hilarious. That was very funny. Yeah. And the fact that he grew this weird Wolverine <laughs> beard, it's objectively hilarious. Yeah. But the fact that people sit there and just wait for like every, you know, news update, like every 15 minutes just to like, it's exhausting. Yeah. I, I, I found don't think myself, it's fun. I found myself um, just getting really angry on Twitter because... <laughs> And I've talked about this. That's what it's for, though. And th- this is something that, you know, obviously this is a very delicate, landmine-filled discussion. But, like, one of the jokes I have my stand-up now, I go, uh, my dad's a Trump supporter, my brother's a cop, and my mom's name is Karen. Ooh. Which is true. So it's like the honky hat trick right there. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad is a Trump supporter. He's lifelong Eisenhower Republican. Um, and I think that when you're in the lane, you just stay in the lane. No matter, it, it, the way I think of it is like the enforcer on the hockey team, right? When you're on the other team, you hate the fucking enforcer. But they're on your team, you're like, yeah, he's a piece of shit, but he's our enforcer. He's doing, well, I mean, it's your dad. What are you going to do? Yeah, but also, I mean, like Trump to them was the enforcer on the hockey team. Oh, right, right, right. Do you right. know what I mean? So oh, they, so he like begrudgingly supported him? I, I, th- I think that what people don't get is how many Republicans get that Trump is a misogynist, sexist piece of shit, but they also think that he's almost a necessary evil to stop the tide that they see in their heads, whether it's imagination or, or, or the propaganda machine from Fox News uh, of of the world slipping down a path that is scary to them. You I know? get that. Yeah, and so I, I, I kind of, I did this thing, this sort of like thought experiment like a year and a half ago where I was like, you know, I'm going to listen to Pod Save America and Ben Shapiro every day while I was commuting just oh. back to back to see what, and I got to tell you something, this sounds really, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, after like three months, I didn't want to listen to Pod Save America anymore and I wanted to listen to Ben Shapiro just because something about the Republic, and uh, you know, his opinions about fucking gay marriage his opinions about abortion is just ridiculous right uh he's a complete nerd he's such a goober the, the, yeah. <laughs> the best republicans are just the utter nerds who are like these are the rules and they're not really 
hypocritical about it. Yeah. Like, I don't think that Ben Shapiro is a hypocrite. I don't think he's out banging hookers on the side. He's probably like religious, devoted, married man with kids who's an Orthodox Jew following yeah. what he believes is right for him and his family. Uh, those are the best ones. The worst ones are the complete fucking, the ones who are like, gay marriage, go to hell. And then they're fucking dudes in steam rooms. Yeah, um, they're the Ted Cruz's and yes. the Jim Jordan's. Yes, and yeah. the Matt Gates and all those yeah. fucking pieces of shit. They're not good. Um, so, but I found myself liking the fact that um, if you just focus on a lot of facts, sometimes it, it's like you listen to both and you'll hear the same facts and then you can make your own decision. Mm-hmm. And I have found on Twitter as well and in Podsave is that it became so delicate the way that they were addressing certain things and the way they were avoid. I mean, look, each side avoids facts. Like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. But they became so delicate about how they would approach things that were maybe in a gray area that it started bugging me because I was like, just say what you want to say. Well, sure. Yeah. There's no room for, you know, difficult honesty yeah. anymore on either side, really, to be honest, because... You know, but the difference is, the difference is, I think, is if you're a person who largely identifies with progressive politics, because, you know, I want a society that looks a certain way, but I don't need people to all talk the same. You know, I don't need people to all say the exact same phrases, but that's what the left has become. Yeah. I want policies that improve my life and improve the lives of other people. Yeah. That's why I support politicians I support. But the left cannibalizes their own. <laughs> Absolutely. The second you say something that sounds like it's not exactly the right thing to say, yeah, they'll, you know, gang up on you. And it's frustrating to see. It's frustrating to see that happen. I've suffered from it personally. How so? Um, not on Twitter per se, but um, there is a comic who is a trans comic here in LA. Uh-huh. Um. I don't know this person personally. I've run into her uh, like twice in my entire time here in LA in like seven years. Yeah. And um, a few years ago, a friend of mine who like also knows this person, we were just like hanging out and she was like, hey, you know, this person is going around telling people that you misgendered her. And I was like, what? Which is like a crazy accusation in the first place because that's not... That's not what you would do, no. Well, A, it's not what I would do, but it's also like of something to accuse a person of and like talk shit about them for. Like, that's not like an aggressive action, really. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, in what context is she saying this? I don't even know this person. Yeah. Why would I even be talking about her? And she's like, she's telling people that you were at a show hanging out with a group of comics and you saw her you know, a little ways away from across the room and you called her a man in a dress. And I was like, I'm not from Idaho. Like, even if I saw an actual man <laughs> in a... a man in a dress? Right, like, what? Like, that doesn't even sound like a you something... You would say, is that, is that drag queen? Is that a drag show? That might be a valid thing. Maybe, but it's like, it's something I wouldn't even necessarily remark on because this is Los Angeles. Yeah. People do all sorts of stuff. Sometimes men wear dresses and that's also fine. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, and so this person, you know, maybe I, I can't even imagine like what actually happened or who she thought she saw or if I was actually there and she just like misheard or like decided to tell people that I said that. But yeah. 
it's something that just like never happened. And um, I'm in all these different like, you know, Facebook groups for lady comics. And in one of these groups, she started posting. Uh, she didn't name me by name, but she was like somebody in this group you know, misgendered me and the transphobia is just so rampant. And I right away knew she was talking about me because yeah. I was already told she's going around saying this stuff about me. And I messaged her priv privately to be like, hey, I'm aware that you're going around saying this about me, but I don't know what you're talking about. Is there any chance that you maybe mistook me for someone else or maybe misinterpreted? interpreted or misheard something I was saying to someone because this is not something I would say or even remark on because it doesn't matter to me yeah you know it's not a thing that even registers on my radar yeah. and she like yelled at me and said I was gaslighting her and wow. you know was really really mean and refused to have any kind of reconciliation I was being nice and all I said is like clearly whatever happened is really upsetting to you and I'm really sorry that that happened to you but like it just wasn't me. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't know what else to say. It was also odd that she is going to take the word third hand from someone who said it to her, like examine the source. No, she claims she heard me say it and she's going around telling people. Wow. That's crazy. But people who know you know that's garbage. Sure. And people try to tell her like, are you sure that doesn't sound right? And she's like, no, yeah, she did that. So... I don't know how many possible booking opportunities I could have missed out on because mm. of this, you yeah. know, because she's going around trying to poison people against me over something that literally did not happen. Yeah. But because it's such a hot button issue, it's enough for her to say that. And the, some people that don't know me might form an opinion based on that. Yeah. And it's crazy in the first place, because even if I did happen to, and she even admits in like the, Everybody tells me that she says, when this happened, I was in the early stages of transitioning. So, like, this is a, she may have looked like a man in a dress if somebody actually said that about her. Or maybe she felt insecure in herself yeah. at that time, you uh -huh. know, because she felt like she was, so many things could happen. Human psychology is complicated, but here I am unable to really defend myself because then I'll be the one that's labeled a bigot. And it's. Yeah. Really is sad. It makes me sad. Yeah, there's nothing you can really do about no. it. No. I'm talking about it now, but like even now, I don't want to name her. I don't want to start the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I I don't know how I feel about this because there's, you know, Dave Chappelle, you know, he got a lot of trouble for. I remember that. France. And his philosophy was like, look, if you want equality, I know there's a difference between equity and equality, right? But. If you want equality, like I'm making fun of everybody. Yep. So on some level, if I'm making fun of, of parts of a community and I'm making fun of other, like shouldn't, not not necessarily be up for grabs, but isn't that a way of sort of expressing equality that like, hey, because I don't think he's saying anything like, he's not. I heard that special. He didn't really say anything that bad. I, yeah. I listened to it. I mean, watched it. And because um, I think that the thing that like, you know, you'll, you'll hear, um, some Republican pundits sort of use deliberately use the wrong pronoun, which is just fucking rude and stupid it's rude. and pointless. Why would you want to hurt somebody's feelings on purpose? Yeah, yeah, it's it's simple human courtesy not to do that. Yeah. So, I, I, but I, I also feel like I have a couple, I have a, this vegan joke that I posted on my um, Instagram and the joke was basically like, vegan food is a transgender food. I'm a soybean <laughs> identify as a buffalo wing. <laughs> and, and, which You're I think, stepping in it, brother. <laughs> 
I love it. But it's also like a lot of here's the interesting thing going on with the trans community. I, I know because I'm older. You know, I'm in my forties now. Um, I found that like older trans people, they actually are trans because they are accepting the binary nature of sexes. They want to identify as a woman, live their life as a woman, and um, you know, so- socially look like a woman, make up everything like that. Um, and when Caitlyn Jenner came out, they felt kind of in a weird way victimized by the fact that she put all this undue pressure on them and made them st- like people would come up out on the streets like oh my god you, you know I, I support you like I just <laughs> I'm just a woman trying to be a woman right don't have to come up to me and tell me how much you fucking support me all the time so th- like older trans people would m- love these bits and share them uh, it was posted on the Laugh Factor Instagram and and you know how it is sometimes. The vegan trans joke? Yeah. Uh-huh. And the, the, a lot of liberal white women yep. were like, this is so transphobic and blah, 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 and coming at me. Because I did a whole bit about Caitlyn Jenner. But how Caitlyn Jenner hasn't really done shit for the trans community. She's a Republican. She's a Republican. She's exactly. against LGBTQ rights. She's going to run for governor. She's so, a fucking asshole. <laughs> so they defended me, the trans community, because uh, it got like you know maybe four million views. They came out def- defending me like we fucking hate Caitlyn Jenner. But yeah. a lot of these people who aren't really entrenched in the community were like coming after me for going after Caitlyn. I'm like, no, do you understand? They don't want her to be the spokesperson for the trans community. And my daughter is a lesbian. So my daughter, she told me she was sexually fluid once. I was like, eh, don't use that word. <laughs> don't use that phrase. Um, but uh <laughs> how old is she now? She's 20. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's crazy. And she um and she's you know, she's great and she, you know, she, I'm learning from her and I'm trying to be less quote-unquote mean in my comedy. But I've also it's also weird cuz I started comedy um I guess 2005 and uh and at that time, you know, you could sort of there's a lot of, I, I came up in urban club, so you do a lot of stereotypes, a lot of yeah. logging of fruit, and that's what would get the big laughs. And sometimes you get addicted to the laughs, and that's not the best place for your mind or your comedy intellectually, artistically. But it works. You're like, oh, fuck, how can I not? I got it. And I still find myself to this day, like, if I have jokes that involve, like, different races, um, they'll still work, and I'll still use them sometimes. So I, I'm trying to, I'm getting out of it. But now I'm like, do I want to live in a world where you can't have talk about anything that involves any stereotypes about any group of people? Because then it goes back to like, well, at the end of the day, you're talking about general principles of human behavior that will be relatable to people. And you can obviously make it as personal as possible. But if it becomes too personal to the point it's not relatable, then what? So it's just men v... Are we back to just men v. women? I don't know. Is I that think okay? that's the challenge as comedians to figure it out. Um, a recent example of somebody who I thought really did that well, mm-hmm. where they still talked about all these things that potentially could be controversial topics, but she handled them so well. I highly recommend everybody watch this special of... Um, a lady named Sam J. Oh, yeah. It's on Netflix. You know, this is a lesbian. I thought she's not trans? No. I don't know if she since has... When I watched the special, she was just kind of a butch lesbian. Okay. 
Um, and she talked about she talked about trans stuff. She talked about gay stuff. She talked about race stuff. She talked about all this stuff in a way that if it wasn't so delicate and funny, somebody could have easily tried to come for her. And I think some people actually did. Sure. I think there was a few trans people that were a little bit miffed. But everything she said was positive. It was yeah. none of it was derogatory. And I thought it was just great. It was so refreshing because she faced all these topics head on, was very funny about it, wasn't hateful. It was just like, Mwah. I yeah. think it's all kind of how you do it. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people complain about, oh, it's so hard to be a comic now. And I hate people like, oh, it's so hard to be a white comic and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you just have to write better material. Yeah. You know, you have to write material. And I think that one of the one of the hacks that people do, not like hacky comic stuff, but like a, a, a comedy hack is, is if you are going to address a, uh, a disenfranchised group, um, make it a positive statement about the disenfranchised. Like my, my friend has a joke about um, transgender athletes. Mm-hmm. And he goes, a lot of people say you shouldn't have transgender athletes in high school sports, but I disagree because if I'm coaching a team, that's a level of commitment I want <laughs> on a teammate. Which is like, it's hard to get mad at that joke. It's a good joke. Yeah, it's a good joke. It doesn't really shit on anybody and so they have all these rules well well if you are a white man you're at the top of the fucking patriarchy food chain you can't punch down right but then that so i can only make fun of other white men (sighs) so it's either like all these rules it's exhausting (laughs) just even thinking about it honestly so now you did you told me earlier and i don't know if it's just related to this thing with the this woman but did you you said that you're your far left liberal line has uh, the the veneer that has started to crack a little bit. Is that based on that? Are there other things that have kind of like sort of changed your your mind? Well, I would never considered myself to be far left. Like I just am. I think a pragmatic person. I want my country where I pay taxes that I actually really love. Like I'm an immigrant and I'm a naturalized citizen now and. It means a lot to me, you know, to be here yeah. based on where the fuck I come from. Can I curse? Of course you can. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I just want to see policies that are like beneficial. Now, there's just some examples, obviously, of kind of orthodoxy on the left that I don't always agree with. And. I guess an example of that recently where we had like a local ballot measure here in LA where they wanted to make Spanish language like an, or like they wanted to give regular classes uh, in Spanish, yeah. like math, science. I think they wanted to teach English like in Spanish. They wanted to make Spanish like an official language in like LA schools. Yeah. And I thought about it very carefully and I voted against that measure, which, you know, most of my progressive friends voted for. And the reason I voted against it is because I genuinely believe that enculturation and immersing yourself in your new country is very important. And like not learning the language of the country where you live is detrimental to like the fabric of our society. Yeah. And it's not because I dislike, you know, Spanish speaking people my very first friends in America were all Hispanic and I'm still friends with them to this day. I speak Spanish pretty well, not as fluently anymore, but anyway, I love the culture. I love all that. 
but I also think it's important for us to have a common language and, you know, yeah. our language is English. <laughs> and of I think we all, it's fine if you have to make accommodations for people in other languages for, you know, at the DMV, at doctor's offices, if you want an attorney who speaks, you know, your home language, totally cool. But schools are for educating the public. Yeah. And the public needs to have a common base of knowledge. The reason our society is so fractured now is people don't really have the same set of set of values. Yeah. That's why it's so easy for us to be so divided. And by the way, what you're saying is definitely a Republican talking point, which I'm, I'm sure you're aware of. Yeah. And, and not in a bad way. I'm but, just saying, you know, there's and that's one of the few issues where I could find common ground with somebody who identifies as conservative, even though on most issues I would disagree with them, yeah. you know, but there's definitely some stuff. And I think it's this inability to admit when like the quote unquote other side gets something right. That's killing all of us. Yeah. You absolutely. know, because there's things that are just so basic yeah. That, like another example, I'm going to get in trouble for this is, you know, I believe in women's rights reproductively, just basically in society. I believe women have a right to just live their fucking lives without being bothered mm -hmm. and without being controlled by men. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe religion is an enemy to that. Okay. Most religion. Right. Yeah. Especially like dogmatic, like orthodox religion. Of Yet on the left, if you criticize Islam, <laughs> you're fucked. Yeah. And you're an Islamophobe. And it's like, I'm not, but I definitely don't believe that. I think there's like room for conversation there about what, what that is and what it means to have like very, very religious, you know, Muslim people influencing left politics. I think Absolutely. it's a conversation worth having. For sure. That's all. For sure. And it ties into I'm about to get canceled. No, no, no. Please because, don't cancel me. But again, like, we, it, it's crazy that we live in, and this is why, again, like, I, I, I got turned off by things like Pod Save America because conversations like that, which are very nuanced and complicated, mm -hmm. they don't want to have those conversations at all. And any, even the conversation of, like, is it the best idea to have classes just in Spanish? Is that, like... They they would look at that and go, we can't even we can't even talk about that. I mean, I yeah. can't tell many liberal people like, oh, I can't. The the producer of my podcast, Tommy Wakefield, young guy, is like twenty six, and he just won't. He's like, we can't even <laughs> we can't even talk about that. And it's it's a shame that that those complicated conversations can't happen. And I do find that. It's great when you have podcasts like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has always been a Democrat. He's a registered Democrat. But people look at him now as like this, almost like this far right propagandist because he'll have like Alex Jones on the show and he'll try to like weigh things. Um, and he's not. But that's sort of where it is now that if you aren't towing the line, then they push you all the way to the other side. I think, yeah. I think Joe Rogan is a unique case though because his podcast, I've tried, I've listened to it. Uh, to several episodes I think he tries a little bit hard to to be contrarian on purpose mm. and it, it makes for compelling I guess listening but people are very stupid people take what he says quite literally yeah. and like that's why he had to apologize after kind of diminishing um, mask wearing for example oh, at yeah. the beginning of pandemic um, it's it's definitely complicated yeah I think that if I liked him better as a host, as a podcast host, maybe I'd defend him more. 
Um, yeah. I'll defend Dave Chappelle much more willingly than I would Joe Rogan. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I used to like him more. Like when he used to do stand up about getting high and like looking at space, <laughs> that was my favorite version of Joe Rogan. Yeah. The Joe Rogan on shrooms is the best. Yes. Version. Yeah. I think now he's just like maybe a little bit too famous. Like mm. when you're just sitting there with Elon Musk and you guys are just talking about nothing and you guys are just being weirdos, <laughs> that's not serving anybody. That's yeah. not fun necessarily. He's just, he's growing out a little bit too hard hard for me yeah no I, I i totally get that and i also think in his defense i think that he is finding himself like again like he started moving that way and then it just starts sliding to those are the people who want to be on a show those are the, the listeners and then everything becomes an echo chamber it scared him if I you think. start in the middle eventually you got to find your, your one side echo chamber you or know? you have to be very steadfast and stay in that middle and you have to really make sure because it's very easy right to sit across from someone and agree with them because they're right there in your space and also maybe because they have a fun personality right if somebody has a fun personality and they start saying expressing ideas that look people can think whatever they want to think but if you have any ounce of like influence and then people are going to use your words to justify doing stuff that's going to hurt people, I think that's where it gets into kind of like a crazy territory. Yeah. And he's powerful enough now at this point, Joe Rogan is, where he's being weaponized. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Now, um, when you came here, you're like, wow, I haven't been outside in so long. Yeah. So you're someone who has really taken the lockdown seriously and i don't want i don't maybe not the word seriously you've taken it the way it should be taken <laughs> <laughs> the way some of us hasn't taken it um now was that based on do you have pre-existing conditions is it something that you just felt have you looked back because we briefly talked about the bill maher monologue uh this past uh, yesterday where he said that the stats in for coronavirus have shown based on studies that Democrats have really overstated the problem because of the panic porn in liberal media. And, for example, they asked uh, Democrats how many, um, what's the percentage of people that get hospitalized from getting COVID? And they, and I think like 41% said 50% were hospitalized. I mean, the truth is it's closer to like 15%. Um, now, that's not a huge deal, except for the fact it it does seem that there is something about generating fear in the public generates, you know, better ratings, more clickbait, and a lot of thing, things have come out recently with CNN where people have admitted to the fact that they have been sort of making sure there's a constant ticker tape of fear going on to get people watching. Because without Trump there, that's all they got. I mean, that is not, that's not how I saw it. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I don't even know the statistics, to be honestly. I know uh, a few people personally who got it. And now let me ask you a question. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Were they overweight? Some. Were they hospitalized and overweight? So my uncle who is overweight he was hospitalized he's he recovered he's okay now but he was sick for like over a month and he was hospitalized um but what scared me actually is that i know several people who are young healthy people yeah who were also hospitalized 
no, they weren't hospitalized, but after they recovered, um, they're still not fully okay. What mm. the scary thing to me is the kind of ununderstood, weird, nuanced things about this virus. Where yeah. I know people who are, again are thin in shape, runners, you know, people who work out. Um, who are now quote unquote recovered, but are experiencing long term effects like, like what, like migraines, like dysautonomia. The problem with this virus, what I ended up doing is just reading a lot about this virus. And also, my sister is a doctor of pharmacy, so she really knows this stuff, and yeah. she has access to like you know premier like research on this topic, just on the actual virus, not yeah. on how to address the pandemic necessarily. Sure. Um, this virus infects the lining of your blood vessels and that's why it can go to so many different organs in so many different ways. And the immune system is very complicated and so many different factors can affect how your particular case might go. It might literally be nothing or it might be a really crazy set of things that happen. Yeah, And that to me is what's scary. Chances are I'd be fine, but I've been hospitalized in my life before and I think I just have like a fear of that. Yeah. Because I was hospitalized in Soviet Russian hospitals. For what? Um, I had an infected lymph node at one point. I had a broken arm. Like just like things that in America maybe wouldn't be scary but for me ended up being full-blown nightmares especially for a kid. So just the thought of having anything happen to me that could cause lasting you know, bad things to happen to me. I just wasn't interested. Sure. And look, I left the house. I went for walks, you know, I did stuff that I felt was safe. I went to the grocery store. Yeah. I wasn't like a total hermit and shut in. And were, you like, were you like <clears throat> cleaning everything that you came in contact with, the knobs and everything? And At first, but then the more I learned about it, the more I realized, okay, it spreads through the air. Yeah. I don't need to be cleaning every single thing that comes into the house. So, I tried to be pretty realistic where like the more I learned, the more I was like, okay, I can do this. I should still not do this. I can yeah. do this. I should not do this. Yeah. And you know, now I'm vaccinated. So I feel really good about that. How were the, I, now I haven't been vaccinated yet. And, and there's a reason for that. Um, because I don't want to build <laughs> gates in my head. No. It um, sounds nice. He tells you bedtime stories. <laughs> He's in there right now. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bubba. Um, so which, which vaccine did you get? Pfizer. <laughs> He's like Pfizer. Pfizer is assholes. fine. No, it's great. Um, and it's two shots. Was this, I heard the second shot can fuck you up a little bit. Um, I had a day of just feeling a little fucked up. Yeah. Not sick, but just like you know, like when you. Not that I know personally, but you know the day after like you do ecstasy <laughs> and you're just fucked up all day yeah. and you're like, what happened? It's kind of yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, I had COVID back in. Uh, December. Oh boy, how was Not your experience? The third act had some problems. See, um, no, it was it. W I tell you what's funny is I've had the flu before. Not funny, but I've had the flu before, where I was in bed thinking I feel like I'm dying. Yeah, I, this is the worst I've ever felt. I can't believe how bad it is, but deep down I knew I wasn't going to die. So when I got COVID. I felt okay. It never was that bad. There's one bad night where I was just coughing all night. Um, but it never got that bad. But I still thought, I might fucking die. Yeah. Because after the first few days passed, I talked to people that said, well, 
because I have two brothers. This is so funny. Like one brother is a, a cop, and he is also a, an ER doctor. Oh he's wow! Ve- and he's also very Republican, and he's he's very nerdy and fact oriented. And the other one is like one of the foremost scholars on like liberal thought and like. America and so the whole different of war. kind of completely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they love it, and they're both genius. They're so much smarter than me, and you know, sometimes it's interesting. Is because as smart as they are, like the liberal brother won't 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 hear because I don't want to talk about it. Like he can't hear it. Don would talk about it with, "Hey, I'll have any conversation you want to have," but the liberal professor just doesn't want to even discuss it. And particularly, Don as a cop has a lot more um, knowledge, information about a lot of the policies and a lot of stuffs going on. I mean, obviously, he looks at things like for more technical this is a bad shoot this is a good shoot this is, he doesn't you know I, my brother is not a racist guy he doesn't you know when the discussion came about we'll send social workers in to neighborhoods to address these domestic to poor neighborhoods address the domestic violence my brother was like every cop I know is all for that Since, that's fine okay Rashid Tlaib send so, he goes they're going to die just so you know you can send social workers in, but they're going to get shot and they're going to get killed. That's what's going to happen. And then they're going to start arming social workers with guns. And then it, what's the difference at that point? So obviously there needs to be better training and all this stuff. But it's it's a very- How does this relate to your COVID? So, sorry. I'm just like, I'm sorry, I, no, I no, no, no. I want to uh, talk about your brother, the cop as well. For no, sure. So, um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah. So Don is kind of, um, and he was also, he, as an ER doctor, he actually owns an urgent care now. And um, he was one of the last people to get the vaccine because mm-hmm. they didn't look at him as priority. And he had That's to write rude. letters like, what the fuck is this about? Because in the um, process of, of ensuring equity, yeah, they fucked people who really needed it. So, you know, like you'd, a, a 20-year-old uh, African-American would get the vaccine shot bet- before a 50-year-old urgent care worker, which is a little bit fucked up. You know, there's some stuff like... In, in the for the sake of creating equity, there there's some common sense stuff that's getting sort of getting short shrifted. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, what I was so your COVID was not so bad. So um, yeah, so my COVID wasn't so bad, but like with my what was I talking about with my brothers? So Jim is just like in the house, freaked out, scared of everything. This is the professor. The professor. He's in Minneapolis too, of all <laughs> places to be. Um, and. Uh, and Don is kind of, you know, he's also afraid because he's a little overweight as well. But um, but one of the things that my brother's always said is like, look, you know, y- your body is meant to fight things off. Your body is designed to be in action. Your body is not designed to be locked down. One of the things that they did when they locked down the beaches in L.A., I mean, at this point, the stats coming out, that just ended up being ridiculous. And even in Florida, when they, all the beaches were open, I'm like, look at the photos of the beaches. Like, there's been no spread in the beaches. It's not how it spreads. Because the, the air and the circulation and the wind sort of diminishes the, the virus. So um, I don't know what that means other than the fact that I think that parts of the lockdown um, were just anti-scientific. Because people were staying inside, ordering food, watching TV, becoming lazy. Their bodies weren't in circulation. If you don't have a home gym, I mean, which most people don't. People were getting heavy and fat, and that became the. I think it's like seventy-eight percent of people that were hospitalized from COVID were overweight. Yeah, in America, so it's it's just very bizarre that I felt like people knew that early on, but no one wanted to talk about it because then it became some element of fat shaming. 
Uh, I don't. I don't know what the right answer is about any of that. I do know that I personally just didn't want to be around people. Yeah. Especially at first when it hit. Yeah, of course. I was like, uh, this is not for me. No thanks. And then when they, you know, said, if you go out, wear masks and it should be fine. Like, I've gone to the grocery store every week with my little mask on and I felt safe. I felt fine with that, you know. I don't know. And now that you have the vaccine, because Fauci tweeted something the other day, or he had an interview where he said, I'm going to tell people the things I will do or won't do now that I have the vaccine. And part of me was, I was like, shut the fuck up. You ha- the whole point of getting the vaccine is like, we are trying to get back to normal life, right? So do you feel that now that you have the vaccine, not that you're immu- immune or impervious, but don't you feel, and obviously you'll wear the mask to be respectful and follow the rules, but... Don't you also feel that you should be able to do what you want to do? Because I feel like they're still promulgating this idea that even with the vaccine, well, there's variants, there's the Madagascar strain, there's this strain, there's the that strain, whatever. And I, I don't know if how – I feel it's a little disingenuous at times. I'm going to say something Yeah. that just as I'm, you know, willing to call kind of woke – a dogma to task. I think this kind of reaction to what's going on is, it's a little bit of fragility, uh, I think in people's collective psyche that might be happening a little bit on the right. To me, it's very obvious that the world is just like a fragile, unsafe place. Yeah. Always. It's volatile and crazy. Um, I really like history and I've read a lot about history. And if you just look at all of human history collectively, it's basically a long line of people building civilizations and then th- things collapsing spectacularly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Over, and it happens over and over. And then we rebuild and then shit just hits the fan again. Um, the fact that this is happening is just so expected, to be honest. Like, yeah. it's. This virus is just the tip of the iceberg. I think we're going to have more pandemics. Uh, and it's not because I'm like fear mongering. It's just science. It's fact. Yeah. Our population is too, we've gone too far. We've mm-hmm. done too much. We've overbred. We're encroaching on wildlife. The reason this fucking virus got into the human population, it, it's not from, I mean, they've done study after study after study. They figure out it's not from a lab. It's from fucking bats. Yeah. Okay. It's from people going and capturing wild animals and keeping them in cages and also living too close to wildlife. And yeah. these viruses mutate and hop over to our population. So I think I've just steeled myself for a long time now where I've just been preparing for like society to collapse in some shape or form. Yes. And maybe that's dark, but like that's where I'm at. I'm just, I, I'm not that bothered by it. Cause I'm like, duh, <laughs> like what else <laughs> did you guys expect? Yeah. To me, getting back to normal is not, it, it'll be temporary, you yeah. know? And it's not politics and how people handle it. That's a whole other issue, but things are going to get, like I'm about to become prepper. Fuck this shit. You know, like <laughs> those people living out in the woods that we made fun of. Maybe some of us, like they, they're not wrong. Yeah, they're not yeah. wrong. So how do you see when you say you, the 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 society is collapsing? Because I know a lot of people are like it's like the fall of the Roman Empire, part two. Do you see it collapsing in terms of 
like you said, the social the social fabric is is rift, and so people won't be able to come. Or do you see the fabric collapsing just because of pandemic? Well, there's so many things. Our environment is in dire straits. Our state alone, right? Yeah. Our the fire season is worse and worse every year. Yeah. That's our issue here. Uh, on the East Coast and in the South, you have these wild ass hurricanes and crazy storms. So the environment is pretty fucked. Um, the hotter and crazier and more volatile that gets, that's going to feed and increase social unrest, right? And then you add to that the polarized, you know, media and filling people's heads with just echo chamber type thoughts. Um, that's going to contribute. It's it's all. It's not just any one thing. Yeah. It's all going to kind of happen. And <laughs> is somebody going to be able to like figure it out and solve it? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm glad that there are some smart people in the world that are trying to solve these things. And I think that's why I want people to give Dr. Fauci a break. Like we're dealing with morons. We're a country yeah. of, of idiots. Okay, for better or worse. That's what we are yeah. on both sides. Yeah. People are idiots. All these leftists want to go pop off on Twitter about like, why are your mask and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? I live in Los Feliz and I walk around there. People are, are sitting in restaurants crowded together. You yeah. know, they need their brunch. And that's been happening for a while. <laughs> so everybody's a hypocrite. Everybody's an idiot. And we're all going to die. Yes. This has been an inspiration. That is inspiration the one of- <laughs> fact that we can all agree on. We are all going to die. Yeah. Sooner or later. Like, so I just, I just mind my own business at this point. Yeah. I do what I feel is right for me. I vote for the issues I care about. I try not to engage in too much quote unquote discourse anymore. Or really, I don't think I ever did. Like I'll dunk on somebody if they're a fucking idiot. Yeah. That's just funny. Yeah. But I don't, there's not, there's nothing to discuss. There's no, nothing to, to discuss and nobody to discuss it with. I'm glad you and I are having this conversation because it feels genuine and real. But for the most part, people don't have the bandwidth emotionally, mentally. They're, they, they can't, they don't know how to have nuanced thoughts anymore. Yeah. And Absolutely. I, it's on both sides. And, it makes me sad for sure. I have a couple of friends with whom I can talk honestly about things and that's all I do, really. Yeah. That's all I stick with. I mean, I think, yeah, I feel the same way. I think that if you if you ask people questions and you listen to them where they think, that that's really the best you can do and then make up your own, own mind. I mean, it's, it's, I was on this thing called uh, Stereo not too long ago. And again, like I have a brother who's a cop. So I, I, Look, I've been, I've had guns drawn on me. I've been beat up by cops. I think police brutality is a real fucking issue. Sure. And the truth is, when I had longer hair, it, it was an issue. Like, ooh, uh, you, know, you were bad. Long hair Boy. racism. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and do I think there's there's racism in the police force? Of course there is. You know. Yeah. But let's look at the fact that you know, in most major cities, the police force is about fifty percent minority. So, in particularly in LA and everywhere. I mean, LA used to be like, I, the thing I always try to espouse people is that it's getting better. You can't look at LA 92 and look at LA now and go, eh, it's lateral. It's gotten a lot better. The police department was like 80% white back then. It was completely, completely racist, obviously racist. And now there's a lot more solidarity among, among the races in the police force. 
and I think things are a lot better. The problem is now that if anything happens with police brutality and it involves a black man, unfortunately, um, it will always appear to be, the optics will always be racially motivated. It always look racially motivated and the media will, will jump on that because that is the fear porn that they want to like promote and promulgate. It's a very complicated issue. Again, wow. This is a hilarious podcast, you it's know? It's hilarious. We are the being after laugh. so funny That's because there's nothing to laugh about afterwards. No. Uh, uh, but the, re- the, re- the reason I bring that because yeah. I, I had this discussion with this, and she talked about Kenosha, and she said, you know, this guy was trying to break up a fight with a woman, and he got shot seven times in the back because he's trying to break up a fight with a woman. And I just was like, this is months after it happened. And I just said, I said, what if I told you that um, he had actually raped that woman? And she'd called 911 and that he'd been tased twice and that he had a knife. She goes, well, if that's what happens, it's a different story. But that is what happened. But for some reason, she didn't know that because whatever, again, whatever echo chamber she was in wouldn't give her that information, which is actually the fact of, of what happened with that case. I mean, which, ja- which one is this? The Jacob Blake case in Kenosha. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of those cases that one thing that bugs me is whenever something happens, people will will automatically jump on the easiest bandwagon that fits their narrative, right or left, right? And they'll just go to that. Like I, even, uh, This one just, is tough. I definitely have seen individual cases of police-involved shootings um, where you kind of see how and why it happened. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it sucks that that's how it happened, but like, I get it. But I have to say, honestly, those cases are definitely fewer than the cases where you literally have no idea why the fuck these police who are supposed to be really well trained yeah. would do what they did. The fact that they shot a 13-year-old boy in Chicago who had, you know, was holding his hands up yeah. is insane. The fact that they shot this other, you know, young 20-year-old boy who just had, like, an air freshener dangling in his car. And he had no weapons on him. Yeah. I'm talking about Dante, right? Of course. But you also know that he got pulled over because he had a... A warrant. He had a warrant and expired plates. Does that mean you get shot? No. But my point is, he told his mother that he got pulled over for an air freshener. But Whatever he was lying the case to his may mother, be, sh- but that became the narrative. But regardless, how is that in any way excusable, or like how does that in yes, any way excuse the fact that a professional who's trained to uphold, you years, know, of course, to protect and serve the community is claiming that a taser was mistaken for a gun? Give me a fucking break! Yeah, well, so I was, uh, you know, an orthodontic assistant early on in my life and I had to go through so much training and I never once you know accidentally did something to a patient of mine yeah uh, and just been like whoopsies I used the wrong tool and not like oh is the drill not the fucking uh, water jet it's I think but what's the alternative Maria like is the alternative that she deliberately did that and try to play it off like she didn't I think the alternative is just don't don't shoot Right? You, like, run. If he's running away from you, try giving chase for, like, a second, right? Yeah. You could catch him, probably, if you tried. 
Like, they don't even try. They stand there and then they shoot. Because the more these videos come out and the more you see the optics of it, yeah, it kind of seems to be the same thing every time. They see a black man, they get scared. Here's the thing. Yeah. I grew up in a country without any black people. Yeah. This is, you know, the hard unvarnished truth. When we moved here, we lived at first, like, and what could only be described as, like, the hood. Okay? Yeah. And I moved to this country knowing about the history of slavery obviously and like uh, believing it was wrong right it's just like on the very face of it it's wrong and but i never thought about it very deeply i just was like well slave slavery was wrong but the hood is like a really weird place and you definitely feel hostility right uh being kind of projected at yourself from black people um you don't know why at first. And I remember definitely feeling bristly about it at first when we first moved here and feeling afraid. Yeah. And that was because at that point in time, I did not know any black people personally yet. Yeah. So their kind of natural discomfort, right, uh, to me felt like hostility. Uh, and then the more I got to know my neighbors and the more they became my friends and people that I grew to like know and love, the more I realized like, no, like it's not necessarily hostility. It's just like people in that community live on guard yeah. pretty much all the time. And it's a very hard thing to talk about because these are kind of innate kind of human feelings right like we're animals like we can sense fear we can sense when things are cool and that's not how this is ever talked about and so like cops are on guard because they feel i guess black people being afraid of them and they mistake i think that fear and guardedness mm -hmm. for a threat sure and clearly there's like no training and these police departments to just teach them to be like, no, these are human beings and they're afraid of you because you have guns and you might, you know, there's yeah. a history of you like hunting them. And I don't know how to, you can't solve it with, I think defunding the police is a stupid slogan. Let me just say that it's, it's stupid. You need to train the police better. They need to go through psychological training and yeah. empathy training and all sorts of different kinds of trainings to just be like, Literally shoot somebody as a very last resort, no matter what. Yeah. And th there's no reason to fear human beings who just happen to look different than you. It's, it's, it took me a long time to like internalize that in a way that like, it wasn't like I had to like read books. You know, people are like, learn your, you know, educate yourself. I didn't educate myself. I just met and got to know a lot of black people. Sure. That's all it took. Yeah. So I feel like, all these woke whites that are talking about it, all these other people are talking about it. They're coming at it from like this weird academic, non-real perspective. But if like you have the real perspective on it, I don't see how you can feel any way other than like it's wrong for police to shoot these people. End yeah. of story, period. Of course. And defunding the police is also stupid. Because yeah. you need police. When something bad happens to you, like, you want to be protected. I know I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, right away, I think we fall into this trap of talking about this issue and right away making it polarizing. But, it like, it shouldn't be. Yeah. It just shouldn't be. It should be so easy. Pat Robertson. 
I don't know if you heard, but I like literally heard this clip of him. He's, you know who he is, of televangelist, course. notorious psychopath who <laughs> believes, you know, hurricanes are, you know, God's uh, way of yeah, punishment gays for gays. Yeah. But even he recently went on his show, Pat Robertson, and he's like, these police need to fucking stop killing these black people. Yeah. Because he's like, what? It's absurd. Yeah. It's insane. There's just no reason for it to be happening. That's all. Yeah. And I don't need to talk about it with slogans. I just know in my heart is it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's it. Yeah. Okay, I think we covered that topic. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I, I like I know that, and I'm not the I I don't go around saying like you know kill police or fuck all police. Like it's upsetting. You know, the, the, I did a, a cop film and I did ride-alongs for three months. This was in San Antonio years ago. And um, the whole thing about the donuts and the cops and the donuts. Yeah. It's true, right? I love donuts. Me too. <laughs> and part of the reason that they have donuts, other than the fact they know nothing about nutrition, is the fact that they have a very... This is what people don't understand about cops. And this may apply to this woman too, this 26-year-old. 26 year veteran who who shot this this boy um they have very boring jobs right people don't realize most of the time 90, they're doing nothing most cops that you will talk to veterans 20 year veterans i don't care where they are they've never pulled a gun in their career when i found that out that blew my mind i'm like you've never pulled a trained a gun on some they're like no Really? Like, no, of course not. Like, when I talked about black belts and jujitsu, like, you've never beat up someone on the street? They're like, no. Right. Of course not. Um, so, I guess my point is that when that situation comes up, th- as much training as you can have with cardboard cutouts and all that shit, you are a human being governed by your amygdala. Yeah, and you get and you're, scared. You, you don't have the control, the you know, you haven't done enough cognitive behavioral therapy to control your amygdala. So when it comes up, you are scared and you operate from that place of fear. Now, is that based on racism? I'm sure a lot of it is, of course. Um, and it's also just based on the fact that 10 minutes ago, she was at a coffee shop. She ate some donuts. She has a sugar rush now and she's shaking and she makes a, a silly choice. Now, should she be fired, never work? Of course. She's yeah. not qualified to be a cop. Should she go to death row for murder no well I, she's not she's it's a manslaughter charge sure. but but like but that's also fair that she got a manslaughter charge and i yeah. think that people because that's what manslaughter is it's like exactly. an involuntary causing of somebody's death and i think that people have to recognize the fact that we do have a justice system that is flawed that is on some level trying to rectify some of the systemic flaws that we have in other systems right sure and and not trusting it a hundred percent, but like even even with the Derek Chauvin trial, like people were like going after this defense lawyer. That's how the that's how the criminal justice system works. You have defense lawyers. I know they do everything in their power, and as much as you fucking hate it, that is what we that is the best system in the world right now for def, for quote unquote justice. I don't always agree with it, but it's also it's what we got. Sure. Look, I think you're responding to things that I'm not saying that other people have said clearly, yeah, right? Yeah. Like people on Twitter and whatever, where I also am bothered by like, just because I see injustice and I see things that are wrong, doesn't mean that I believe we should dismantle the entire fabric of our society. But a lot of people do think that. I know. And that's a, another kind of point of contention I have with 
dogmatic thinking, you know, uh, with people uh, with whom I can largely agree about a lot of issues. Because, um, yeah, to me as an immigrant, as a person who comes from a country where there is absolutely no law and order, absolutely no protection for anybody and only powerful, rich, basically mafia people control yeah. everything. Um, to me, the the kind of bureaucracy and systems of America are very sacred and very appealing. And I believe change should absolutely be incremental and work, you know, build on the system. And I think any truly intelligent, rational person thinks that. Yeah. I think right now there's just a lot of motivation to, I mean, it's clout chasing is what it is. Yeah. People want likes. People mm-hmm. want to be the loudest, most most woke or most conservative or most whatever voice and everything is about these like snappy moments yeah because we're indoctrinated into the system where like we have to get that that endorphin rush yeah. of the like or the retweet or like oh but oh, that's oh. all noise yeah. you know i'm comforted by the fact that i know there are people that are really smart and really reasonable and behind the scenes they are working to, to you know on the boring work of making these incremental changes do you think those people are the people that are running the country is that your hope or your belief i mean there some of them are running the country and that like again a unique thing about america is we do have a government of civilians who are employed by the government they're yeah. just they're doing their jobs it's what kept this country going during trump when he did everything in his power to tear things down yeah it held because of that um you know, people want to shit talk capitalism and it certainly has its problems when it's unchecked, but our society held because of it, For because sure. that's how we can express our desires and yes. our will as a society by where we spend our money Absolutely. and companies are responsive to that. Yes. So nothing to me is black or white ever. Now, for someone who says, I just worry about me, you clearly have an activist mind and you clearly... Now, do you have any desires to get in that field in a different way? What, like, what do you do? Because I always think about this too. Like, what do you do to contribute to the greater good? Like, are there charities that you do? Are there is there volunteer work you do? I, I, I always go back and forth. Like, I know I donated to BLM last summer, and then I find out that the leader just bought like $5 million worth of real estate. Oh, shit. You know, and it's kind of like, I, I, I never know where to put my energy or when the black square thing ha- happened on Instagram, I was like, I'm not going to do the black square. I don't, I don't know. No, enough that was about stupid. And guess means. what? All it did was black out actual content and information that people yeah, were sharing. Yeah. It's a stupid performance. So that I just keep finding that happening where I, I kind of go, when I do want to kind of go along the trend, it ends up backfiring. So I just sort of try to s- step back for a while and just listen to everything that's going on. Uh, and it, it it's putting me to uh, like malaise where I just don't know what to do about anything, mm-hmm. what to think about anything, or who to support or who to donate to. I mean, obviously, I would never vote. This is for my it. opportunity to become a cult leader. Okay, <laughs> all right. That's okay, why you're here. Beautiful. Start a cult. Um, so I never know. I never know what to do. Now we could also do a nice hard segue here if you want, and just talk about normal fun things. Whatever. Now, last time I t- now, are you still in a relationship? Are you still? <sighs> Because I think that's what, because you said, oh, I have shit to dish about. We won't name names, but because um, you were also dating a member of the Twitterati in a way. Like, I sure. always thought, like, if you're dating someone and you're both part of, like, a, like that, like, like Instagram couples. 
or Twitter couples. Yeah. And then you go through a breakup, whatever it is, like, what a difficult thing to navigate. I, I wouldn't, like, that just seems, I've always tried to remove my personal life. Even back in Facebook, I was dating someone, like, how come you don't put in a relationship with, on Facebook? I'm like, I just don't want to fucking do that shit because there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, at one point, my daughter was, uh, uh, like, Olivia, the daughter of Bill, and then, like, people would, like, reach out to my daughter, you yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, uh, uh. I think this desire to tell the internet our business um, is absurd. I, I guess, yeah, I used to. At first when like social media was new and fresh and I didn't realize exactly what it does and how the data we submit to it is manipulated behind the scenes. I was like, yeah, I would put all this stuff out there and now I'm just kind of like... Yeah, no. There's just like no reason to declare anything about yourself. That's I don't put anything that's really sincere about myself online anymore at all. Yeah, I used to. Um, to answer your question, I was in a you know long term cohabitating relationship, um, which I guess now is I don't know if we're like broken up or on a break. We don't live together. I now live alone as of like two and a half three weeks ago so it's oh, very wow. new <laughs> we survived like you survived a, covid a pandemic year and it broke i guess it kind of broke us um it wasn't that so why would so you say because i feel like that the, the 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 thing that people always say about the pandemic either brought people closer or it just made it untenable for untenable for a lot of relationships like did you did you think how did that play out in your relationship the the lockdown it was good. Like we were very functional during it in just the basic mundane ways. But the issues that um, that came up in the relationship, I would say before the pandemic started, were just kind of brought much more into focus mm. during it. It's like getting a facial and all your zits come up. Yeah. Um, it's not it's it's like it's on good terms like we're still very close. We talk all the time. This is somebody who I hope will be a part of my life always because it's not that kind of thing where you know, after almost a decade of knowing somebody, yeah. You kind of they become your family. For sure. And that's definitely how I think that of this sounds person. way too healthy, Maria. Come on. Give me some dirt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, you know, but the dirt is that men are y'all are crazy. <laughs> Okay, I, I thought know. we were pigs and you guys were crazy. I thought that was the thing. No, I mean women do be crazy too sometimes, for sure. Um, How are men crazy? It's just in a different way. Um, I think there's just like a lot of weird self sabotage that you guys do that I just yeah. genuinely don't understand. Or you guys aren't good at handling delicate things. Uh, for for us, if I can just be so so bold as to share what happened because I think it's important I'm, I'm in therapy now so I'm trying to get used to the idea of talking about these Is things your first time in therapy yeah 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 it's yep and so basically about three or four years ago now it's hard to keep track of it um I was sexually assaulted by a comedian um in my own home this is somebody who was supposed to be my friend. Um, and it was really bad, okay? I, you know, for lack of a better word, it was bad um, because 
you know, you just never prepare yourself for something like that. I always thought of something like that happens to people who, you know, not that are weak or asking for Less it. Less aware, maybe. Something, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're just like, always think like something must have happened where, you know, they put themselves in that situation where that could yeah. have happened to them. No, I don't want to get too, because I no, don't want to make okay. you live this, but did, did, were drugs and alcohol involved in the no. situation at all? By the way, this comic is a sober person. That's part of their whole thing. Uh, we were friends. Uh, I'm a flirty, affectionate person by nature. And, um, you know, I was affectionate and flirty with this person as I am with and like. you knew that you were living with a man. Yes. He had a girlfriend at the time. Yeah. You know? Um, and we had gone to lunch and came back to the apartment. And um, my partner was out at band practice. And. It was really strange. It was like we were like done hanging out and he was about to leave, but instead he got up to hug me goodbye and just like ended up throwing me down and like just kind of, it was very robotic. It was very strange. Like it wasn't like we kissed and then things went too far yeah. or like, it wasn't like that. It was literally like a switch. candidate type of a thing. A switch flipped in his, in his like mind and he just like completely just, it, and I could have fought him off, I guess, but it just like I did freeze. I had that response. No, that I, happens. I've I've heard that several times. And it was very surreal. And then afterwards, he just like left. And I know he knows it's wrong because he stopped speaking to me after that. We went from being like good friends and talking all the time to him not speaking to me anymore. And the mistake I made uh, is not telling anybody. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Maria. I didn't tell anybody. And so when your guy came back from band, didn't you're like, tell anybody. Hey. yeah, yeah. And so it started to eat away at me, at our relationship. It, you know, changed the way that I receive and perceive, you know, physical contact. Sure. It made me kind of jumpy, um, especially as like time went on. And I should have just told him what was going on, but I just, I didn't want to admit it to myself, you know? Sure. I was so, I just thought I could put it out of my mind and move on. And clearly like your body doesn't let you do that. Yeah. But so it affected our intimacy. And I did try to explain to him like, hey, it's not that like, I don't want to like have sex with you or whatever. I, I just need different. I just need a different approach. I just need things to kind of just be different. I need to be treated delicately and differently. And instead he, you know, he felt like I was rejecting him. Sure. And other stuff happened, but like that's basically the inciting incident of where things went wrong, where instead of listening to my actual words where I was like, no, like we're good. I'm just going through something. He f took that to mean like she doesn't like me anymore. Sure. And he kind of anymore, yeah. started growing resentful. Uh -huh. and, and that's kind of what caused issues and it was weird too because throughout that entire time we still remain like best friends but you know when you live with someone and it, whatever it things we just needed like time apart at least like in a living together yeah sense so you eventually told him i'm assuming i did i told him like that fall right before pandemic started and did he know the guy yeah he did, yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. He was, you know, very upset, and 
I keep I get, get keep wanting to say his name because I, I haven't really t- I've told a few people. You can tell me afterwards if you want. I will. Okay. And then I still don't know like if I should just like tell everyone because it's like you it, know it, it, he's it, a well liked person and it bothers me. Yeah, it should. <laughs> it really does. And he like stopped talking to me. But then the craziest thing too is like after I told my um, my partner what happened, um, I finally like blocked him on social media after all that time and it's like literally a day after i blocked him he texted me he's like hey i noticed you blocked me is everything okay (laughs) the most surreal thing so um anyway let me ask you a question about that do you think that we're dealing with in that situation we're dealing with a sociopath or an uh, a deliberately evil person or just someone who's so bizarrely clueless because the way they were raised or what what do you think that I genuinely is? don't know I do here's the thing we were pretty good friends so I know a lot about this person and their upbringing he had a difficult upbringing clearly yes um and you know experienced abuse as a child himself so for sure there's like something fucked up going on with yeah. him I don't necessarily think he's a sociopath I think he's just broken you know yeah and it's fucked up that i'm sitting here having any ounce of empathy for him that's um, not fucked up that's i mean it's good to have empathy for people i mean i agree even but i even wish holocaust survivors have empathy for their i sometimes. wish sure i know I, I get that because it's easier than just like having this like raging hatred yes. inside you once i started talking about it i started to feel better and you know therapy's helping talking about it is helping because now i'm like okay it happened it's not my fault that it happened um i definitely wish it hadn't because the chain of events it sort of unleashed has been you know sad and fucked up but then also at the same time here we are you know and i'm pretty happy right now and i'm doing pretty good it's just very weird have you have you talked to him about it and tried to like no is that something that that is of interest to you or does your therapist think that's worth it or is it is it anything because i you know and this makes me fucking really maybe because i have a daughter but like i cannot tell you how many times i've had women on this podcast who have told me situations and i and i don't think i was aware of how much shit like that happens and like my opener uh, got raped by a very famous comic when she was in her 20s. She quit for like 12 years because of it. And same thing, she completely froze. She's five foot tall, little girl. Uh, and um, it, it, it made me so fucking mad and also made me realize like, I, I hope, you think like that stuff gets, gets better. Like generations of, of men now are at least more aware every year they're more aware of, of of how better they have to be and how they can't that's not okay you know um but it still happens and it just makes me think i don't know it just i'm, I'm sorry that happened to you first of all that's, Thank that's you. fucking terrible and i know that like and i'm and i'm glad you're talking about it um and i'm sure that therapy is helping a lot but do you feel also I know you don't want to name the guy here, but like, do you also feel sometimes an obligation when the Me Too stuff was happening? Did you feel an obligation at all to kind of go, 
I want to expose this guy because he might do the same thing to someone else. Yeah, I do struggle with that. Um, part of me does want to, you know, name him publicly. I don't know why I still have this, like, it catches in my throat when I, like, like, right now, I'm like, I could say it so easily. Sure. Um, but it feels, it just feels so volatile, you yeah. know, because the second you go on the record like that as, because it's, even now, I know that, like, I suffered from it. It really fucked up my life in a lot of ways. But I still hate to think of myself as a victim. I think yeah. psychologically, human beings, like, we just have that protective mechanism in our own minds where you just don't want to think of yourself that way. You need to think that you're not just defined by that, I think, yeah. or something like that. And I think once you go on the record, I think that, it's so easy for it to become something that's just a label that's on you and that's all people see you as. Yeah. And that's what I don't want. I just want to get back to like feeling fully like myself, which every day I am more and more. Um, I have thought about talking to him just to make sure he knows. Cause when he texted me that time to be like, you blocked me. Why? And that's again, after not talking to me for like three years, even, even if you don't realize that you've assaulted someone, just the behavior of being in your stupid fucking head, being intimate with someone that you would not talk to them. Right. Is still disgusting. Correct. Right. It's like, what do you think happened? Either you think we had regular sex, which like we did, we didn't, you know, uh, or, you know, or you raped me and yeah, either he stopped talking to me and then you only thought to reach out to me because I unfollowed you on Twitter. Um, so Actually, now as I'm sitting here thinking about it, maybe he's a little bit of a sociopath. He does work for a reality TV show, so it's possible. Yeah. They don't attract the best kind. <laughs> yeah. They're not bringing their best. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Wow. So the, I'm assuming the, the therapy is, is it cognitive behavioral? What type of therapy? Trauma therapy? Yeah, she specializes in trauma. It's We mainly talk, but we've done some EMDR sessions. What does EMDR mean? It's like eye movement, oh, something, yeah. something. They use it a lot on uh, veterans, people who suffer mm -hmm. from PTSD, PTSD of because it kind of deprograms your brain and helps the trauma that's like basically unresolved trauma. Your brain thinks it's happening to you in real time yeah. instead of letting it process and become a memory. Yeah. And so EMDR helps your brain. It's, it's, I like it because it's like mechanical. Instead of trying to talk yourself yeah, into exactly. feeling better, it literally like tells your brain to just put yeah, it away. I like that. Um, so it's been pretty cool. I like it a lot. It's like gnarly. Like Not, it's very cool. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I started, it's, it's been like a year now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I imagine that's the type of thing that you will just continue doing just... Yeah, because like even when we're not working on trauma stuff, it's just a, especially during pandemic, it's been nice to just once a week talk to somebody yeah. that you're not worried about like burdening because even, you know, everybody's been going through some kind of version Absolutely. of a hard time. So you feel guilty for complaining at people. You don't want to just be like, Wah! you know, and you have this person that is just there for you. You're paying them and that's just your time to Sometimes, like, we literally just chat about television shows. Yeah. And that's nice. Yeah. Do you ever work out your bits in therapy? I, I, I When I make her laugh, I like it. <laughs> You're like, let me write that. Sometimes I, I do. <laughs> like, 
I think she's just surprised sometimes that I'm funny. Like I told her this past session uh, about, you know, my Twitter and stuff. And I told her like, and she was just like, wait, what? I had no idea. And I was like, yeah. And it was weird to to watch her be somehow more impressed by me. And I don't know if I like that. (laughs) Does she follow you on Twitter now? No, 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 no. Yeah. I don't want her to. Yeah. But part of me wants her to so she could just like treat me better than her other clients. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> you want favoritism. Um, now, uh, oh shoot, we've been talking for a while now. Sorry. My God, no, it's great. Um, I think I might have, I, I, th- I think I might have to, another appointment, but let me see. Uh, real, oh, my my phone's too hot. Oh my God. Um, what time is it? It's, it is, th- oh, it's 3.46. Um, well, gosh, Maria, we could talk about so much stuff. No, we could wrap it up, and, whatever. And, and you're awesome. Um, but yeah, let me just wait till my phone gets a little cooler. Okay. Uh, sorry, that hot in LA. Um, so, do you think that, like, looking forward, and I know that you're kind of still dealing with the situation with your ex. Do you do you see yourself as someone who's like looking forward to dating? Is that something that even like crosses your mind as a possibility, or are you just kind of like, is that like the type of thing? Like, you know what? Give me another six months, or how's uh, is something you even think about? I think about it, sure. Um, I think it's just bleak, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's. I think after having real closeness and intimacy, the prospect of getting to know somebody new all over again Isn't is obviously crazy? very daunting. Yeah. But I'm, like, open to it, I think. It's just... Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. And how's your... How's your have you been... Be- getting any uh, stage time at all no i want some if you have any please give me it i <laughs> am ready i haven't done any zoom shows or anything during this oh, entire God. pandemic i have been writing jokes and i've been doing a lot of writing generally i wrote a yeah. lot of i wrote two tv pilots and nice. a screenplay um I've been pretty busy, so I'm focused and I'm ready to do things yeah, that are yeah. fun and good. Well, it's good that you're a writer because I think being a writer is the way that like you always keep yourself relevant, relevant in the business. You can always work, you know? I'm trying. So yeah. far, nobody... Hire me! <laughs> if you hear this, please. Um, yeah. Well, listen, uh, I'm glad you came and you can hang out. We can chat a little bit longer. Um, Great. But, uh, but thank you. Where can people find you? Uh, so my Twitter, I guess it's at Maria Alexander, M-A-R-I-Y-A, Alexander. Um, that's the main place I would say. You could also send me an email if you want to, but like, (laughs) don't be weird. My email is ieatfun at gmail.com. Right. Well, thank you for coming, Maria. It's really great to talk to you. Thank you so much. And I will end this podcast, but we can hang out for a little bit longer if you want to. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.